Quarter Notions is brought to you by FaceFace Games, Canada's number one source for magic singles and products. Check us out at FaceFaceGames.com. EIL is an abbreviation for Excellence in Lance Nerdling. <laughs> I hate you so much right now. Hello, good evening, and welcome to episode 57 of Horde of Notions. I'm your host, Chris, and with me tonight is just one other person. But it's okay, because it's Will. Why? I thought the one of us was Travis. You don't sound a lot like Travis. I don't. And you know what the worst part is with Travis not being here? Since his uh, Alabama team beat my LSU team, I was actually going to be gracious and say, you know what, we lost, it was a good game. You know, give, give him some props, but he's not here, so... Sorry, buddy. You lucked out. You yeah. missed out. Uh, poor Travis. But in Travis's honor, I will give a roll tide or something. Yeah, sure. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it shows how much Chris cares about football. Listen, we got an email. Did you see it? I did see it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hand egg sports ball talk is not geeky or interesting or fun. Yes. Um, a shout out to uh, Alex... Uh, just Lassen, I apologize if I mispronounce your last name, who uh, sent that in. It was very direct and to the point. And I laughed out loud <laughs> on the bus. So, Horror of Notions is brought to you every week, of course, by Face to Face Games, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering cards and products. And we are going to talk about Standard this week, mainly how bad it is right now. Will, you had a little anecdote you wanted to share, I understand. Uh, I did, actually. Uh, this weekend, Face uh, to Face Games was holding a PTQ in Montreal, and I happened to have slept in, slash my alarm went off, but I was too lazy to get out of bed. Uh, so I actually missed the PTQ, but it was a 250-person PTQ, uh, and it was a huge success, but at 250 people, that's like the size of a Moto PTQ. That's a lot of magic playing. So I'm actually, well, obviously I love playing PTQs. I'm kind of not sad. Like, if there's one PTQ to miss, I I, I was kind of all right with it being that one, so I could kind of go home to get some sleep for the event the next day. But that being said, though, I still showed up, and I played in the GPT, making top eight. And what's interesting is that my top eight match took uh, an hour to complete, which, you know, we don't have a time limit, and, you know, there was certainly, I took more time to consider my play as my opponent did. That's fine. Uh, my, the other, the last quarterfinal match to finish up took two and a half hours. Ugh, and what's, I know that feel, bro. And what's worse about this is that, like, in no, I, I was talking with the head judge at the event, and there was, he was watching it pretty much the entire time. There was nowhere where he thought it was justifiable to give either play, players a slow-playing penalty. Yeah. And if you remember, I said the same thing when uh, I was head judging provincials, that the finals took two and a half hours. Uh, I remember that, and I thought you were crazy at the time, but clearly I was not playing it. Clearly your metagame had gotten, uh, our metagame just got to where yours was. 
Was it bank control by any chance in one of the matches? <laughs> I don't even think it has to be banned. I think you just need Thrag Tusks. But yes, it was actually... Uh, one of them was a bank control deck, if I'm not mistaken. The other one was a Jun Minrange deck, which you'd assume has removal and stuff, but... I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Reanimator. That's what I played. I love playing Angel Serenity. But these bad decks that take forever should not be allowed to play Angel Serenity. <laughs> it just makes it worse. And Thrag Tusk and Centaur Healer and Supreme Verdict. Uh, just be lucky that they didn't have uh, Elixir of Immortality in the deck. And actually, what's funny is the next day, uh, the there was a CMT uh, that was in town, and there's a trios event. So you have the legacy portion, the modern portion, and the standard portion. There's a lot of draws that happened because, you know, legacy would win on one side, modern would win on the other side, and standard would go to a draw, which, you know, I mean, going to draw in game three, it happens. But what's interesting is that most of these draws took place in game one. Oh, wow. So it's not a healthy format when you have a 50-minute match and you go to a draw in game one. Yeah, no, that's not healthy. I mean, it's essentially, like, it's, uh, you're basically, like, looking at this from the perspective that, like, it's almost, it's a better, it's an easier, um, it's a better gamble to say, I'm going to go super aggressive and all in, because if I win game one, like, I win the match. The problem with that is, and I, I noticed this at FNM, because at FNM I played green-white Rock's Faith Mender life game dot deck. Of course. Because uh, I had, like, seven achievements that were centered on that. And like I was playing against zombies, and he had you know a pretty good draw. Turn one, one drop. Turn two, he had a uh, blood artist, and then turn three, he had messenger. All I did was go centaur healer, and then he went two one drops, and then I went rocks faith mender, and he couldn't do anything. Yeah, it's um, like I've I've experienced that a whole lot more. Uh, especially I I've only I think I've only played zombies twice with reanimator, but. You just, like, the aggro decks have absolutely no... Like, Thragtusk is a big enough beating for aggro decks, which is why, like, I mean, it takes five mana. So Mono Red can realistically win within the first, first four turns. But when you start adding in a Centaur Healer, which there's a lot of the Bant decks that are playing Centaur Healer now, yeah. then it's just like, oh, I gained three life and I can block your board. So it just kind of grinds the games down to a halt. And what makes it worse is the fact that like, the bad decks don't have it to... Even if, like, they essentially say stem the tide and shift it in their favor, it's a very slow shift. Like, it's not yeah. like the bad decks are like, okay, gain life, dudes, now I can win. It's gain life, dudes, okay, now we wait for 20 more turns so I can kind of get there. Yeah, because they still have to work their way through all of the zombie blockers and not die to blood artist triggers. And right. It, it's frustrating, and... The thing is, and I said this in an article, if you're playing against Thragtusk and Centaur Healer to a lesser extent, there's only two ways really you can win. One is to go over the top of it, and the other one is to win in a way that doesn't care about life totals. So we can either deck someone. Battle of Wits, baby. Well, Battle of Wits. Or we can do what I want to do. Is this, and is kill them. Is this an achievement? It, it is an achievement, actually. We, we can assassinate people. So is the achievement just to hit them? with one of Raska's assassin tokens, or does the token have to be, like, Rogue's Passage or something? No, no, I just have to win with a Vraska's assassin token. All right. I also have an achievement about Desecration Demons in there, so... Get this basically... Power? Uh, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a deck that I played at uh, the second game day, which we spoke about briefly on the show, which was sort of a green-black mid-range deck, 
Uh, it took out the red that Jund was playing and basically went with a more planeswalkery approach. And I think this deck can beat Thragtusk. I mean, it plays Thragtusk, but it can also beat it because it does things that Thragtusks don't interact with. So the basis of the deck is uh, you do nothing but ramp. You've got uh, Farseek and uh, the Elk, um, Dawn Treader Elk, to ramp you early. At uh, four mana, you have both Garrick Relentless and Liliana of the Dark Realms to be fetching swamps up. You've got Mutilate as well to keep the board clear. The Abrupt Decays are in the board. Uh, I was playing Desecration Demon, Essence Harvest, which we spoke about on the on the last show about game day, how good that is with, uh, with Desecration Demon. It's also really good with Liliana's minus three. Uh, I had Tragic Slips in there, which also works nicely with Desecration Demon, and with Garrick's uh, minus one. Uh, you have Thragtusk, like I said. Uh, Reaper from the Abyss, again, works really well with sacrificing stuff and killing stuff. And one Grizzlebrand, because why not? <laughs> it's amazing how quickly that deck can go from four land to six or seven land. Like once, If Liliana hits, you're never missing another land drop, because people tend to ignore her. You probably never want to ultimate her, though. Not really. I don't think there's... Exsanguinate's gone. There must be something else that... Consume Spirit's gone, too. I suppose you could, like, find some way to have two red and volcanic guys with them, but... Actually, I was considering adding four Blood Crypts to the deck, because oh. with Liliana and Farseek in there, it's a zero-risk play. Oh, it's true. You can just play Devil's Play. That's much better than Volcanic Geyser. I could throw Devil's Play <laughs> in. Like they're, they're, or... I know there's an X spell that's better than Volcanic Geyser. <laughs> <laughs> or even Magma Quake, although that does kind of kill my Planeswalkers. Does that not kill them, though? It does not kill them. Shut, shut up, stop making sense. Sorry. And, of course, Vraska is in the deck. Vraska, I found, even if you play her as a Vindicate for five mana, there's not really a lot wrong with that. I hear Vindicate's all good, uh, pretty good. Vindicate was pretty good, yeah. Um, especially if she survives to do it again. Because <laughs> if you I mean, Vindicate I, I, something... Admittedly, it's more of a Malstrom Pulse than a Vindicate. But uh, I hear it's... Well, I mean, I guess it's halfway in between. I hear it's pretty decent. The... I did vindicate a detention sphere that had two de- desecration demons underneath it. Ooh, fun stuff. That was that was pretty amusing, yeah. The deck is really fun to play. So the question is, how do we make it beat Thragtusk, Will? Rogue's Passage. That's definitely a card. Actually, um, and you can, uh, you can gloat somewhat, if you will. Uh, you actually mentioned a card that you play in the deck. But it's actually the wrong card name that you're. Pl- I think you're playing. Okay. And whereas I, you know, was kind of on the other bandwagon, I was like, Guruk Relentless is obviously the better version of it. That's one you should be playing. He's easily splashable. I think this deck needs uh, Guruk Primal Hunter. I don't disagree with that, especially if your uh, Desecration Demons are getting fat. Well, there's that, but the other thing is the fact that, like, 3 threes are the ideal creature that you want. Because 3 threes yeah. block Thragtusk all day, getting rid of them. They block the token as well. And most of the board, uh, most of the creatures that exist, like, 3 threes can either kill, or, you know, at worst, if they somehow get a really big champion of the parish or something, or even some double striker, you know, they can just be thrown in front of. And it's, like, I saw it played this weekend, and I was actually really impressed by how much... Admittedly, it doesn't help standard, and then it clogs up the board state even more. 
but it essentially makes it that it's like one of those cards that just kind of turns the tide in your favor. Yeah. You're just playing it, and you're pumping out dudes, and being the same casting cost as Thrag Test, like, if they go turn five Thrag Test, then you're like, you know, turn five this, or even if it's the other way around, you're building a dude that, while it doesn't gain the life or have the advantage of Thrag Test, it still deals with Thrag Test. It does, and I think Desecration Demon, people have misevaluated that card completely in a lot of ways. They they say, oh, but it, it just gets tapped down by grave crawlers and stuff. I think the way that we're building this deck with... I mean, I think you can play both Garrick's in the deck. You just play Relentless, and you use his minus one aggressively to fetch out your Desecration Demons, your Reaper, even your, Gra- your Grizzlebrand once you get up there. And then when it dies, you just drop... Uh, Primal Hunter and draw a megaton of cards when you need to. And that'll find you your Essence Harvest to win the game. I think you can play both. But Desecration Demon, yeah, sure, it might not be able to attack all the time, but you're picking off their creatures one by one. You're stopping them from attacking. And the size of the demon in this deck actually becomes a resource that you can use. Agreed. And, like, I I don't know about your metagame, but Zombies is getting played less and less. Yes. You're running into cases where people are playing, you know, three main deck centaur healers, four main deck frag tusks, and if you want to be playing aggro, mono red is much quicker than zombies when dealing with that. Yeah. When at least when dealing with frag tusks, and you have all this removal that goes as well. And I mean, you can also play some combination of Rakdos, uh, aggressive as well, but. The problem is, you know, if you can play uh, Shred Freak, if you can play uh, Strom Kirk Noble, where Strom Kirk Noble, you know, pumps uh, Shred Freak and Ash Zealot have haste, where you can get in right away, you give them one less turn, essentially, on the clock. Mm-hmm. I think, as well, it, it's important to point out, like we were saying earlier, you can splash red in this if you need, like, a Dread Ball, or you want Devil's Play as an, as an X-Spell finisher, uh, you could even go Chandra the Firebrand, I guess, in a pinch, although I'm not sure how good that is. Not very I mean, you can, well, you can double an Essence Harvest, which could very easily be lethal. I find a lot of the time with Desecration Demon, they let you get one hit in before they realize just how few of those they can take. Agreed. It's really rare so, that we'll see, because they, like these, I mean, the mentality is when you play a Desecration Demon, they're like, oh, well, he's attacking for six. If I can attack for five, six, then, like, we got to race on. Yeah, But the problem is when you're playing a deck that usually involves black, it has some form of removal, or if you're playing green walkers, it has a way of pumping out dudes, and it's they then realize that, oh, this race is slightly more lopsided in the Desecration Demon's, demon's favor. One thing as well is that when you play a Desecration Demon on turn 4, or turn 3 if you seek, which, by the way, turn 3, 6-6 six, six flyer? Are you kidding me? The the mutilate that can follow next turn is not going to kill your desecration demon, but it's probably going to kill whatever they've got. Yeah, like stupid silverblade paladins. Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm just saying <laughs> for some for some reason whenever I play against a silverblade paladin deck, they have all four of them. I still win, but like, come on, four guys, really? Admittedly, when they play all four out at the same time, uh, well, actually it was three in this tournament in this case, and I go sever the bloodline. Then it's then it's a whole lot of fun. One thing I did see, I ran a GPT on Saturday, and this is a, a minor aside. Golgari Charm in the sideboard against these green-white uh, humans decks. Fantastic. Bye-bye, Thalia. Oh, they go, turn one, champion of the parish. 
And then they go turn to Knight of Glory in response to the champion's trigger, Golgari Charm. Bye-bye now. Thanks for coming. So sweet. So, yeah, what else are we looking at here? Uh, how do we make sure that Vraska's ultimate goes off? Doubling season. All right, that's not in the format. Darn it! No, unfortunately not. If only Vraska ultimate go. Now, she only needs to go up twice. She does. Um, I don't know. This, these are like... It's like Vraska's the planeswalker that certainly... I mean, obviously outside of Jace's remove your entire deck, I win the game ability. It's obviously the other kind of walker ability that certainly has it be the most lethal. Because essentially, like, you, your opponent loses the game right then and there. Well, actually, it's more lethal because if one hit gets it in. These tokens, though, are very... They're very mysterious, or slash intriguing, slash... I really have no idea how to... Like, how to get it so it's profitable. I mean, yeah. short of playing one Lightning Mauler. No, I, I think... The thing is with the tokens, and this is where people, I think, are uh, forgetting. They need to have three blockers at all times, or they just lose. Right, that is true. So, with Desecration Demon, it's like you're telling them to pick their poison. They can either take six in the air, or seven, or eight, or whatever it is by the time Vraska has ultimated, or they die to the tokens. So, I don't think... It, like, if you can keep them both on the board, or even if you have... Especially if you have Reaper from the Abyss as well, or if you can mutilate before you ultimate Vraska. Now, these are all things... Like, if you can keep creatures off the board, basically, is what we're looking at here, which in a black deck shouldn't be too difficult, then... The turn after you ultimate Vraska, unless they can drop three creatures or wrath the board, you're fine. And if they wrath the board, you just Golgari Charm and regenerate. Wow. Did we just basically say that Golgari Charm is going to be in the main deck of this, <laughs> this point? Well, I play one in the main deck of Reanimator, so saying that, you know, we can play Golgari Charm in the main is not a crazy notion to me. And in fact, in some cases, it is a whole lot of fun. It certainly seems Detention that way, sphere, it? destroy your detention sphere. Haha, <laughs> I get back my Thrag Tusks. You die. Oh, and I have this beast still. That's still pretty useful. Yeah, that's... Well, actually, uh, if you get the two Thrag Tusks, like I got, then you have 16 power. Yeah. Nice not playing Jace. <laughs> yeah, at FNM, I was playing against the Red, White, Blue mid-range deck, and he cast uh, Detention Sphere when I had two Armada Worms on the board. Cool. And at any point in the last five turns of the game, if I had drawn the sideboarded Sundering Growth, I would have blown him out the worst possible way at the end of his turn. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. Uh, 20 power at instant speed. Unfortunately, you can't populate the tokens because they won't be in play yet. But, yeah, 20 power at instant speed at the end of your turn when you've just attacked me in the air with 12 power of angels, you're probably dead. Well, yeah, but even then, if you have, if he detentions for your armada worms, then you still have the tokens. Yeah, you do. So, I mean, that's not an ideal play for him. Well, no, he, he, Supreme Verdict did, did, did on the same thing. Oh, no, actually, I think he had Terminist, because he had the Tamiyo emblem at that point. Ah, fun times. But at the end of his turn, it doesn't matter if his detention sphere comes back to his hand. I'm still going to kill him. That is true. So, yeah, I think Golgari Charm might make it into this main deck, because it does take out Detention Sphere, like you said. It also wrecks Supreme Verdict. Yeah, big time. It's, well, they're, they're, they're just not expecting it, like, especially not main deck. And what's weird is that, like, I consider Terminus to be the better card. I don't know about you. 
Definitely. But there were a lot of people who were playing, like, more Verdicts than Terminus in their deck, at least at the GPT I was playing at. And, like, each time, and I was just like, okay, like, you destroy my stuff, it goes to the graveyard, reanimate it? Yeah. I, I think uh, Zombies was the main reason that Terminus started to see play, but there are so many decks now that don't care if you kill their creatures that Terminus is just a better card overall. Unless you're playing against these, you know, mid-rangey com- uh, aggro control decks. There are a lot of those as well. That have both counter spells and creatures. Uh, there's also Jun Minrage that's seeing play as well, which clog- likes to clog up the board as well. Yeah. It's it's kind of annoying. Like, remember when the spoilers for Return to Ravnica started? Yes. And everybody was saying, oh, control is dead, all of these can't be counted spells, plus cavernous souls, plus no more mana leak. I would take, oh, I would take like, an actual control deck over do nothing forever decks. Like, well, those are control decks, though. No, but, like, but they're not control decks in the same way, right? Like, going mana leak, you know, counter your thing is one thing. Going, like, Thrag Tusk, I play my own Thrag Tusk, okay, we do nothing forever, is much worse. Yeah, I, I can agree that, well, I don't know about worse, but it's definitely more strategically deep. The games do last a lot longer. We have a lot more draws at FNM these days. And I think that's why you know, it's important for uh, people who listen to our show, like the kind of people that we get listening, uh, awesome people, clearly, uh, to have a way to beat this and still have fun. I mean, you know, the old maxim of if you can't beat them, join them is one way to do it. But that's not fun, is it? But that's not, like, that maxim doesn't even imply. Like, this is the format that, like, is the exception that proves the rule. I think that's how the saying goes. I mean, it's, like, you're going and you're playing against these decks, and they're not, like, if you basically get into the stalls or whatnot, like, it's not fun to play against, and you're like, oh, well, if my deck gets beat by these stall decks and I'll just play them, it's going to just make the situation worse because you're going to just have stall decks playing against stall decks. Yeah, and... Uh, our GPT finals, it was Jun mid-range against Bant. I can't even call it control. It was more Bant mid-range. And it, I had to sit there and watch the match as the judge, and it was painful. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I agree. So, yeah, we we like the way that Vraska works uh, with against Thrag Tusk because it doesn't care if your life total is 3 or 103. You still die. So... Can we still have fun while beating this? I, I think that sounds like a fun deck. I mean, I know it is. I played it. It was hilarious. I actually, you want hilarious? Because I was going through and I was searching for things uh, that give, you know, you could give your tokens haste. So obviously you have stuff like Traitor's Blood or Traitor's Instinct, as well as Zealous Conscripts that can give them haste. You know what else can give them haste, though? Further? That can, too. But so can Racecourse Fury. <laughs> No. I'm not advocating playing it. I just think it's funny. Ooh, ooh. Now, this is an actual serious suggestion. Okay. Please don't say Lightning Prowess. No. Okay. Go on. A Chroma's Memorial. Oh, right. I'm not searching through colored cards. Uh, Yeah. I mean, obviously, protection from white and green would be good, too. But, yeah, that works. Oh, you don't even need that. They gain flying. Right, so Thrag Tusk is no longer an issue. So it's just angels that are issues. And how many angels can they have in play? Exactly. Well, I mean, they can have a few, but chances are they're going to be attacking with them. But yeah, but if they, if they have a few, then we just sever the bloodline that crap. Which we're playing main deck, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you want more than one, 
a Chroma's Memorial? You want exactly one. Yes. And I think, I mean, it works really well against uh, stuff like, well, it, it, Thundermore Hellkite still taps your demons down the first time, but after that, they just sit there and say, yeah, and? Well, they do anyway, because they're huge. Uh, but they can't be dreadboard. They can't be victim of knighted or ultimate priced or severed. Huh. Wait a minute. They also gain haste, Will. I thought that's why you were suggesting it to begin with. Oh, yeah, so it is. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm old and fat. Um, on, a, on, a, on a quick side note, though, because you mentioned Thundermaw Hellkite. You know what's even funnier to see play in red decks? Because uh, at the at the team trios, uh, Justin Richardson was playing Mono Red, and he was missing a Thundermaw Hellkite, which I don't have. So he was, like, going on, going on, and I was flipping through the binder, and I was like, I can give you an Archwing Dragon. And he's like, that's just awful. So obviously he like did the room, but he came back. He's like, "Do you think I can borrow it? Because I can't find a Thundermaw." Okay, so I lent it to him. He happened to play against uh, these band decks with Terminus and Supreme Judgment and Supreme Verdict. Guess what <laughs> creature those cards don't get rid of? Oh yeah. <laughs> Unless you think twice into a Terminus, <laughs> his opponent was so upset. I it, it's actually pretty funny. Uh, so if you don't have Thundermaw Hellkites and want to play Mono Red. Uh, Archwing Dragon's the way to go. You know, there's a guy here locally, uh, shout out to Shug, who plays Mono Red a lot. Like he, You remember when I was playing Green Black Pod a lot, and people kept saying that I only win with it so much because I know the deck so well? Yes. That's Shug with Mono Red. Like, this guy has been playing Mono Red in every format for as long as I've known him. And he, he does play other decks, but he is a Mono Red master. And Archwing Dragon is one of the cards he likes a lot. Um, it's quick. Quick aside, though, uh, Shug's his nickname. Yes. Okay. Is I think what's happening here is that Patrick Sullivan is playing in uh, Newfoundland. <laughs> I just haven't noticed yet. <laughs> you know, there is more than a passing resemblance between the two, but because I've seen this guy's DCI card and his driver's license, for that matter, I am perfectly convinced that it is not Patrick Sullivan. All right. Just need to check. Plus, I was actually sitting next to him while we watched Patrick Sullivan uh, on camera at an SCG event. So, now, in all fairness, like that could have been "quote unquote" live when, in reality, he filmed it, you know, prior and was just, you know, hacking your feed. Well, no, just think. just just no. <laughs> but yeah, Archwing Dragon is actually not not a bad card at all. Was it four four flying haste for four bounces at the end of turn, something like that? Bounces at the end of turn. Yeah. So remember when Va- Vraska was up for pre-order? Yes. <laughs> Those were fun times. 50 bucks. And uh, now it's less than Jace, considerably. Uh, last time I checked, it was 25. Let me just have a quick look now. I think the Assassin tokens are worth almost as much as she is. As Vraska? Yeah. I don't think that much. You can, get a, you can now get a foil Vraska for the same price as a regular one was pre-selling for, $39.99. Um, I'm pretty sure they were 50 no? Not on face. Oh, okay. And you can get a, f- a regular one for fifteen ninety nine. Ooh, what are that? There, there's no way these assassin tokens are fifteen bucks. Uh, no, assassin tokens are a dollar fifty. Oh, oh, okay, that's something though. But Vraska has dropped like Tibalt did. Uh, nothing dropped like Tibalt did. Well, no, Tibalt is now way lower than that. But Tibalt did drop to around sixteen bucks around this long after Avacyn Restored came out. There is no way Vraska is anywhere near as bad as Tibalt, right? Uh, nothing is b- as bad as Tibalt. 
Uh, I may or may not have an achievement that says I have to win a game after resolving Tybalt and activating his ability more than once. Which ability? Well, if you do it more than once, it, one of them has to be the plus one. Yeah. So well, yeah, I will you have can't to use a minus one because he starts at two. Right. So you'd have to use the plus one more than once. Well, that's not really an achievement. I mean, you have to at least activate one of his other abilities. Everyone can activate Tybalt's ability twice. You know why? Because no one cares about Tybalt. Right, but the thing is, then I have to win having done that with him in my deck. I guess you're just, you know, sacrificing four spots. Epic experiment with the bolt. Boom! There you go. I, Achievement I don't think that will be happening. But Vraska at fifteen ninety nine, I think, is a bargain. She's never going to be Liliana of the Veil or Jace Architect of Thought. But at fifteen ninety nine, man, I, I don't see why you wouldn't be picking this girl up and at least trying her. Not as good a deal as Tamiyo was at one point, but I can agree with that. Like, the plus one ability, people really don't know how to play around that. Like, when you plus one Vraska, there's a whole th- opponent's thought process of, uh, do I attack her? Do I leave it? You know, do I just try and get damage through to the player? Uh, is it worth sacrificing? Because, I mean, that's, to, to get six damage onto Vraska is not an easy feat, especially if you have blockers. Now, if you have a desecration demon down there, they have to sacrifice an attacker to get it out of the way, or something isn't getting through to Vraska and is dying anyway. Agreed. Uh, and then, so once she hits six, you have two Vindicates you can use, potentially, unless they decide to attack her then. And then you still have a blocking opportunity. So uh, there's a whole lot of interplay with Vraska. I think, to start with anyway... Well, I don't even think you have to care about the blocking ability, right? Like, anything that attacks Vraska dies. Yeah, but if you don't want Vraska to die, you can block some of the bigger attackers. That is true. And I think until Vraska sees a lot of play, a lot of people aren't going to know how to play against her. So you'll you'll get some free wins off people making misplays along that line. I get free wins off of people misplaying against uh, Reanimator on a regular basis. I don't understand that. Unless, of course, they're, you know, playing Mesa Enchantress in Standard and calling you a pro. <laughs> oh, no, it's because... Well, actually, it was funny because I was playtesting with uh, my friend uh, Jonathan Bentley, and he was playing uh, the, uh, say, America Control Deck, I guess. It's had some yeah. weird name like that. Yeah, and called it the UK Control Deck, All right, sure. We can do that as well. And he actually, like, I went, turned to uh, Grizzly Salvage, and he's, like, syncopated. And I was like, oh... And go pay Grizzly Salvage goes away, and then I like I didn't have anything until like two turns later I do something else, and he's like syncopated again. And I was like, you're actually the first person who counters these spells when they should be countered. Yeah, well that's it. It's knowing how to play against decks. You counter the enabler and not the the actual reanimator, because the enabler is what causes the problems. Especially if do you play Deathrite Shaman main? I do. Right, and Deathrite Shaman with Grizzly Salvage is just disgusting. Mm-hmm. Now, well, that's a point. Grizzly Shaman, uh, Deathrite Salve, Deathrite Salvage, <laughs> Deathrite Shaman, do we want that in this deck? Like, we're not putting lands in the yard, but can we make use of the other abilities? I think you can, I mean, you can certainly make use of them. It, it really depends on, like, what the decks that you're playing against are, right? Like, there's, I mean, one of the things that, one of the reasons why I have Deathrite Shaman in the deck is one of the big weaknesses for Reanimator are these Jace control decks. Because essentially, yeah. Tamio can just you know tap down your fatty, and Jace gets really annoying because he gets gets uh, gets uh, your opponent a bunch of cards. So one of the nice things with having Deathrite Shaman is that yeah, occasionally like 
you'll be able to activate it, taking out, say, something like a Dreadbore or something that doesn't flash back out of your own graveyard. But simultaneously, you'll be, most of the time, you'll be able to hit your opponent's graveyard. And what happens is, in that scenario, they're going to end up not playing a lot of spells because they don't want the, they don't want to be losing two life. And especially, like, you you have stuff like, you know, instead of playing Think Twice, when it goes to the yard, right, where you can just remove it with Shaman, they'll be like, oh, well, you know, I'll just kind of hang on to this. So it's certainly, like, it has that advantage, but it depends in what matchup. Like, against aggro matchups, you know, it's not very good. But again, on the plus side, at playing in Reanimator between Center Healer and Thrag Tusk, I don't, like, it's a risk, it's a, a bet I'm willing to hedge. I'm willing to yeah. say, like, these are essentially three cards that really become chump blockers. Like, in some cases, right, I can get extra value by removing their Geist before it comes back. But, like, these are essentially a liability in these matchups. But I'm fine with that because my matchup against those decks is strong enough uh, outside of those three cards. Tamiyo is a, a big problem as well. Dealing with Thrag Tusk is one thing. By the way, another reason to run Blood Crypts is that we can slaughter games in the board. That is a good reason. But Tamiyo is a real problem for a lot of decks right now because she is just about the best post-Wrath card you can get. Because even if after the Wrath I have a creature, you want tap and go Tamiyo, your creature's going nowhere. And if she ultimates, if they have a Terminus or a Counterspell in hand, you are not winning that game. So, nope. yeah, it's pretty scary. That is, uh, that is not any fun when they're able to just... Even, like, going something like I was playing against a guy who didn't get to go ultimate, and it took him a while to win, but when he was basically able to just go, like, Thrag Tusk, Supreme Verdict, Thrag Tusk, Supreme Verdict, I was like, oh, this is a whole lot of fun. Yeah, except it isn't. Nope. But, yeah, so we we know we can beat Thrag Tusk by going over the top with Desecration Demon and by ignoring life totals with Vraska. Tamiyo is a little harder. Uh because the creature light, the creature lightness of this deck, and the fact that like every creature deck, it is susceptible to wraths, means that Tamio at some point in the game is going to come down, and she's going to be good. How do we beat that? Well, red obviously adds the dreadbore. That yes. Makes. I mean, Vraska does have the, you know, destroy Tamio clause on her, which is, or basically destroy any other planeswalker that comes in. Yeah, that's a very good point. If they tap out for Tamiyo, then you can tap out for Vraska. Yeah. I just, although, again, with the format being so slow, there's a lot of times where they'd rather just keep mana up, keep mana up, keep mana up, and then they'll answer whatever you answer. So playing the reactive game rather than, as a, other than the, instead of the proactive game. Yeah. So apart from Vraska, which I, I think, I mean, I only run two, but I think maybe a third one. Might be a plan. And Dreadball, I think Dreadball might want to be in the board. I don't know if apart from a single Devil's Play, I want too many red cards in the main deck. Uh, no. I think bo- I think most of the red you want is going to be coming in off, uh, for them from the board. So what else, uh, what else can we do here? There's not a lot. Oh, Bramble Crush. That's the card I was trying to remember. That also gets rid of walkers. It's no Beast Within. But it's as close as we have right now. Yeah, but, I mean, at the same time, right, like, if you can get rid of a Planeswalker, it's pretty much on par with everything else. Yeah, and it's one less mana than than Vraska. Plus, it has the added utility of getting rid of things like Pithing Needle, if that becomes an issue. It takes out 
detention spheres. It takes out Ghost Quarter, not Ghost Quarter, uh, Kessig Wolf Run, because it's non-creature permanent, right? So it's pretty versatile. Unfortunately, it's a sorcery, but so is Dreadball. Right, but you do have the added positive, uh, I think, you know, notwithstanding, is that if you do, if they do play that threat, then you're like, I want to get rid of this, and you tap out at four for Bramble Crush, they counter it. There's a lot of times where they're like, oh, well, they're tapped out, you know, I can easily just tap out to cast my threat, which if they do, five mana, Vraska, go. Well, activate Vraska, then go. Yeah, and I will trade a Vraska for uh Tamiyo, because either one is going to win the game if left unchecked, but I have way more finishes in my deck than they do, because like, these decks are notoriously threat light, and if we can take out a Tamiyo, which they normally only run one or two of with a Vraska, we still have other Vraskas, and we have the demon army to beat down with, and you know, with the wolf machine or the beast machine. I did see a Garrick uh, Primal Hunter Ultimate on Saturday for f- seven worms, I think it was. All the worms. I, I don't think they lasted, but it was still amusing. Well, I got to, uh, I was playtesting um, at the uh, draft, and by playtesting, I mean Joshua Lamish had two decks, and I took his Celestia one, whereas he took his uh, the black-green uh, graveyard stuff. Um, Splinter Fright deck. And I did get to make 20 cats off in a Johnny Ultimate, so that was fun. The only time I've ever done that, uh, the guy went Killing Wave. Oh. Nope, not this case. I went case. I went a Johnny Ultimate, go, and a turn, Gavany Township them. My turn, Gavany Township them. Swing for the win. So, that's something else that happened. Sigada happened. At, uh, it was a guy playing gr- uh, Junk with uh, Gavany Township, Corpse Jack Menace, and a bunch of other stuff. Deadbridge Goliath. He had a Sigada down and a couple of other creatures against green-white aggro. And it was a bit of a creature standoff. Sigada couldn't really attack because it, they, he would uh, die on the swing back. So the Sigada had a Rancor. Then Corpse Jack Menace hit play. And then they activated Gavany Township. So Sigada is now a 9-7. Then they scavenged a dead bridge Goliath onto it. So Sagada is now a 19.7, or a 19.12, rather. Then he put... This seems like it's getting out of hand. A second Rancor on it. <laughs> oh, just on the offense. And swung in for 21. I have a rules question. I'm pretty sure the answer is no, it does not work. But if you have a Corpse Jack Medicine play, Unleashed Creatures still get one counter, right? No, they get two. Do they? Yes. Okay. Because I thought Unleashed said it comes to play with... Uh, it does. A plus one, plus one counter, whereas if uh, Boneyard were... Uh, sorry, um, Corpse Jack Menace is whenever you put a counter on. So I thought that was two different things. It is two different things, but Corpse Jack Menace isn't a whenever. It's not a trigger. It's a replacement. So you have basically two events that are trying to happen here. The creature comes into play with a plus one, plus one counter. That's a replacement effect that modifies how the creature enters the battlefield. Right. Uh, and then Corpse Jack Menace sees a counter going on and replaces that with it gets two plus one plus one counters. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yes. Mm. On a side note, though, and I had a lot of people do this, you can't flashback overload. <sighs> if I had a dollar for every time someone had asked me that, I would retire tomorrow. An opponent go Snapcaster Mage, flashback, Mizium Mortars overloaded, and then on my and then he's like, attack you, and I was like, 
what's your target? He's like, well, for what? I was like, for the Mizzoom Mortars. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, it deals four damage to one creature. He's like, no, each, I overloaded it. I was like, judge. <laughs> I, admittedly, it was slightly loud. Anyone who was there can attest to it. Uh, when I call for a judge, the ju- everyone in the room takes notice. Good, that's what we like. <laughs> If we can't hear you, we don't know who who to come and harass. I mean, answer and help, because we're really helpful. Yeah, that's the thing. Cool. So I think we've pretty much spoken about that deck, and, and I, I think it's possible. It's what I'm planning to play this week at FNM. Uh, I'm writing the article now to ask for suggestions on achievements to go along with the win with Vraska thing. Oh, are you going to do my achievement? Because the one I sent you on Twitter was fantastic. Uh, you're going to have to remind me. All right, I'm pulling up Twitter as we speak, because I don't have Twitter open on a regular basis. Mm, this is not going very well. Me? What did I tweet recently? <laughs> this can be cut out. few more tweets. It was when you were asking for the whole lots of bounce stuff and whatnot, and I was like, uh, no, 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 that's... All right, all right. Uh, so it was because it was your Blink suggestion. So I said, Smuggler, Blink, Angel, Angel, Blink, Conscripts, Conscripts, Target, Smuggler, Smuggler, and Taps, Smuggler, Blink, Angel, Angel, Blink, Navigator, and Navigator, Blank, Tusk, and then Blink. I think there was one last thing that was missing. But regardless, yes, because I wanted you to use Nefalia Smuggler to do super blinkings. No. <laughs> so you're never any fun. It, like, you actually need difficult achievements, right? Like if, no, we, I need... Yeah, but they have to be achievable. That's like a five-card combo that requires something like 14 mana. Yeah, that's the same... Yeah, I say they should be achievable, too. But, well, I don't play on Xbox 360 for achievements. I play on PlayStation for trophies. There's some that are impossible to get. Sorry, I'm not spending 50 hours a, to play some crappy game. Not gonna happen. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, there are people that get them, but it's like... I would like all trophies to be semi-achievable within, say, a reasonable expectation of skill slash time devotion. But that's not going to happen. So you need ridiculous. No, I don't think I like that one. Some of the ones I did choose were a bit ridiculous, like attack for over 100 damage. Uh, yeah, that's, like, insanely ridiculous. I mean, admittedly, if you have, say, four Corpse Jack Menaces and then... Uh, eight copies of Corpse Jack Menace because you got them off a Cackling Counterpark, and then you activate Gavney Township, then it's definitely doable. Or, you know, you just have two Corpse Jack Menace and a a couple of Avacyn's Pilgrim in play, and you miracle a Blessings of Nature. Mm. I like my idea of four Corpse Jack Menace, eight copies of a Cackling Counterpark, slash, uh, slash populate. I don't like that idea at all. Well, I like it, but it's not going to happen. Well, I mean, admittedly, you only need to activate Gavini once, right? And then you get units. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that sounds fairly terrifying. Oh, actually, speaking of quadrupling up on stuff or whatnot, I had Double Faith Mender in play this weekend. Doesn't that feel awesome? <laughs> yeah, especially playing Thragtusk. I'm like, I gained 20. He's like, no, you gained 5. I was like, no, it doubles. He's like, oh. Well, then you gained 10. I was like, if I have another one, so it doubles that too. <laughs> 20. He was also confused because uh, he had a bunch of, like, walls and uh, slash other stuff. So I was attacking with my Faith Mender because he couldn't kill it. So, like, yeah. block. I was like, okay, gain four. He's like, why? I was like, because that has Life Link. He's like, you gain one. I was like, no, it's double. So you gain two. I was like, and then it's double again. He's like, oh, dear God. 
I was like, yeah, yeah, nice aggro deck, buddy. Yeah, that deck does cause that reaction to people. <laughs> Anytime you're playing that card, it's just crazy. One thing I did find, I played Seance because I, I wanted to try a few different things in this green-white deck. Sure. I was incredibly impressed with that card. Now, granted, when but, you're seancing you, stuff like Armada One, Thrag Tusk, and Centaur Healer, there's value there. I, like, you were impressed by seance as, like, used as a cup holder or, like, a coaster? No, as, a, as an actual good card in the deck. So I was playing against a guy playing Mono Black Rats, which was actually incredibly difficult when he went turn three Liliana in both games. But he had a Desecration Demon out. Um, so far, you've named two cards in the deck... Neither one are rats. He had pack rat, ravenous rats, typhoid rats. Pretty sure that's uh, the list of rats. I think he had drainpipe vermin as well. Yeah, he did. What's but the typhoid I, one? The, it's the 1-1 one, one death touch for one black. Must be from Avacyn Restored. It was from Innistrad, actually. Mm, I'll take your word for it. So anyway, Desecration Demon hates Seance because I get to sacrifice everything twice. But one thing I found it really useful for, on his turn, because it triggers on every upkeep, I could bring back Thrag Tusk, gain five life. I didn't have any Populate stuff, unfortunately, in, uh, in play at the time. But then when it came time for combat, I could sack Thrag Tusk, get the beast token, and then in my turn, attack, get the damage in, and then next turn, bring something else back. Also, I was playing Grover the Guardian in that deck. You must be like the most loved guy in your community of all time. Why? Like people must just sit down against you and be like, oh, this is going to be interesting. They do, actually. I get a lot of people sitting down and going, I have no idea what you're playing. I never do, but it's always fun. Typhoid Rats is from Innistrad. I know. Okay. But Seance and Grover the Guardian work really well together because you never need to worry about summoning sickness with that uh, with Grover the Guardian, and you, you're going to get the extra creature you need sometimes to make the 8-8. And, you know, 8-8s with Vigilance are kind of hard to deal with. That deck needs some red, a faithful suiting, and an Udvara Waga dragon. Uh, Udvara Hellkite, you mean? Same thing. They don't have haste, though. That's the, that's the sad part. You give it haste with a lightning mauler. Oh, there we go. Broke the format. Oh, dear God. <laughs> no, just no. I did actually draft that card, though. I wonder if Seance Parallel Lives is a thing. Uh, probably. Isn't, doesn't Seance make a token? Yes, but Parallel Lives just makes two of them, and they both get exiled. Oh, does it? Yeah, because they, they, it just replaces the number of tokens made. They both have the restrictions, so... I think I just figured out what we need. What's that? We need Black Green Pack Rats Parallel Lives. Don't tempt me, Will. Come on. That rat... You need to tell that kid, that rat deck... Needs, you know, some Overgrown Tomb slash, I don't know what his budget is, so let's say Kogari Guildgates and Parallel Lives. Don't, don't tempt me. Oh, come on. That, ha like, that, there's, that has achievement written all over it. Like, all it, over it. It, it. Well, I already have an achievement based on Pack Rat, but I, I, think, I think I have to do this. Like, like, you know when they put up, like, the AT&T map of how much of, like, north of the U.S., like, AT&T offers? Like, that is how much all over it you need to be. And <laughs> that's awesome. I think that also wants to play Lol Troll and Splinter Fright and maybe even Boneyard Worm. Speaking of Boneyard Worm, uh, 
Shout out to Joshua Lamesh, because the deck that he was playing, even though it could not be the Celestia deck, uh, had the, like, I never see them, but there's, like, these sweet promo boneyard worms. Really? Yeah. Which, Where from? Uh, they're WPN promos. They're, uh, okay. You can buy them on face, uh, face-to-face games for $1.99. I've never seen those before. Neither have I. I was like, where did you get these? And he's like, oh, like, there was a store that was giving out promos, and I guess they kind of gave them to me by accident. I was like, I've never seen these before. They actually look pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get some of those. Well, yeah, they actually they look a lot better than the normal boneyard ones. They do. And admittedly, looking at this, you're like, this is some art that deserves to be on a rare card. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, that deck sounds like it could be fun. And Gerard Golgari Lichlog just fits right into that deck, right? I heard Gerard Golgari Lichlog. Uh, you I, need I to clean like, your ears I up. I realize so. you said Lord, but I was just thinking there for a second. I was like, I don't remember there being a lich log. <laughs> but, but yes, you you definitely want the Parallel Lives background deck. You also obviously need some maybe a growing ranks in there. You know, uh, you can, I think that's you, pushing. You it. You can go turn two pack rats, turn three, make a copy of it. Turn four, growing ranks. Turn five, Parallel Lives. Isn't Parallel Lives only four to cast? Is it? Well, then I guess you go parallelize, then you play growing, growing Ranks. Yeah, I think that's probably the way to go. It is only four to cast. But what, isn't Parallel Lives just better than Growing Ranks? Yes. So why am I playing Growing Ranks? I don't know. Why not just play both? No, I don't think so. All right, I think we've uh, brewed enough terrible green-black decks for tonight. Well, the first one seemed really good, and I will be playing it Friday. Let's, uh, let's move on to a random moment of geekery. Do you have one for us, William? Um, well, actually, I, this isn't actually a run moment of geekery just yet. There's actually an announcement that was made on Twitter by me, so no one obviously saw it. But Travis was nice enough to retweet it. So, obviously, like, at Horde Notions, between the four hosts, getting emails is awesome. I, I think you agree when you see an awesome email from a listener, right? Like, I, I tear right through it, and... Admittedly, we should be better at, you know, going through the listener emails on the air and getting through that. So that's definitely something we need to improve. But I know from writing articles, and Chris, I know uh, you've written art- you write articles as well, so you get the same thing, that put writing articles takes a lot of time and effort and thought to go through. Yes. So when, you're, when we're asking people to send in deck lists or whatnot there, it's... You know, it can be time-consuming, and there's a lot of people that will be like, well, you know, I'll do it right now, but if they don't have the chance, they're like, oh, well, you know, it's not really relevant anymore to what I'm doing, so I won't send in the list. So I thought of an idea that, hey, you know what, let's get listener submissions, but on a much, say, smaller scale. Mm-hmm. So I announced uh, we'll have the, uh, we're going to have the EIL uh, award, which EIL is an abbreviation for Excellence in Lands Dirdling. <laughs> I hate you so much right now. You're very well. Now, what I want is, there's a lot of people who are going, like, crazy suggestions, what they can do. I actually want, Chris is really good at having fun playing Magic. You know, uh, I agree, not everyone agrees with the decks that he brews, but they're very out there, they're very original, and there are opportunities, obviously, like, there's occasions where he gets blown out by uh, Lost in the Mist, I think that's that's, that's the card that nope. is. No, nope. <laughs> and you know, there's other times where he has this creative place. So what we, what 
uh, as a cast, we'd like you to do, uh, listeners, is send us in submissions for this, let's call it an award. It's not really an award, but let's call it an award. Uh, over the month of November, and then we'll read the best three on air. So what it is, is we want you to send in submissions for either moments that, you know, someone got a friend, or it can be you, you can invent, you can say it was a friend, in, you know, because you don't want to own up to it. Uh, can send in submissions saying, you know, I got blown out by this card, you know, this is the situation, or I played this deck, and it was, you know, this is what I was able to do. Essentially, Chris has, like, his achievement guide, but, like, you can essentially say, I did this, and that would unlock an achievement. So, and it, it doesn't have to be anything long, you know, like, two, two, three lines, right? Just a quick explanation of what it is that it, uh, that happened. So send those in, and we're going to, over the course of November, so until, uh, the first of December, actually, you can send them after that, but the first cutoff will be to the 1st of December. And then we're going to gather them all up, and the best three that we receive will read on air. And obviously the best one will win the Excellence in Lance Durdling Award for the month of December. It may even be a physical award. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> so in, this is our way. Most people are like, well, you know, like I don't really know what to do. It's a way of just kind of encouraging you guys to submit things in. And, you know, it's quick two or three seconds. So there's a lot of you that are, you know, either listening to this on the computer or listening to this on some form of, like, iPod or whatnot, you know. You can just take out a piece of paper, you know, quickly jot down what it is you think, uh, send it off to horse, uh, hosts at hordenotions.com when you get the chance. And that way, you know, it's actually, it's being part of the community. You know, it's submitting. Obviously, you know, uh, most people are going to say, well, it's just a small thing. It's not really anything. But it's not, because it only takes a very small uh, thing to get you going. I remember when I st- restarted playing uh, Magic, right, I started playing a check swing, and through that I was able to meet KYT. And, you know, KYT runs Mad Deprived. And I was just like, well, you know, I can't really do anything or whatnot there. But, you know, as it kind of went along, you know, KYT was like, oh, can you help me out with this? Or someone else, can you help me out with that? And, you know, later on I was like, oh, well, I wrote this article. I don't think it's really good or whatnot. But submitted it to Mad Deprived. You know, edited, and it was published, and it was like, wow, you know, that's really cool that I was able to publish. And from that, you know, I wrote other articles for Mad Deprived. Uh, I was, you know, invited on as a guest host for Horde Notions, and I'm currently on Horde Notions. And, like, that's kind of how you get involved with the community. It's not, you know, you go out and you're like, I'm going to be an active member of the community. I mean, you can do that, but if you can kind of get, you know, a little the ball slowly rolling, right? Like, it took it took me essentially, say, you know, two years from the time KYT first asked me, oh, you know, you maybe you can help out with this, or maybe you can do that, to where I am right now. But, you know, it's a two years that's very well invested for me. I, you know, I have absolutely no problem, you know, going back in time and being like, yeah, I do the exact same thing. Yeah, um, I, I think this is, this is going to be interesting. I, one thing I would say, you don't have to email them. You can also post them to our Facebook page, which we actually have never mentioned on the show, <laughs> I don't think, uh, which is facebook.com slash horde of notions. Tremendously creative, I know. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it, or if not, you know, just, uh, hey, are you listening to it on your iPod or something, you know? Send us it through Twitter. Be like, you know, oh, my, I lost to this or I did this, you know, 140 characters, short and sweet. Excellent. So with that done, do you have a moment of geekery? Ah, there is, it's not a moment of geekery. I know you're going to not be very happy or whatnot there. 
but I'll post a link. There is this, I don't know if it's real, but there's this forest somewhere in the world that has a whale statue in it. And what? It, it, it does. And I happen to be a really big fan of whales. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's just something, uh, I grew up in Quebec and, uh, up the river, up the St. Lawrence, uh, is Tadoussac, which is a big whale watching community. And I always remember, you know, my, uh, my mom growing up, uh, well, my mom when I was growing up was a huge fan of belugas, so it was just, I always, always thought whales were really cool. And there's this picture of this whale statue in the middle of the forest. Now, you know, it's quite possible someone's going to write, hey, it's completely fake, you know, Will, you're an idiot. Doesn't matter. I'm a big fan of that. You know, whales around here are all over the place. I know. I'm actually pretty jealous. <laughs> so I've got a couple of moments of geekery. Uh, the first one is an awesome YouTube video, which will be posted in the show notes, of two dudes dressed in special suits having a Tesla coil fight. Oh, there's a YouTube video that goes with that? Yes. Oh, I just saw, that, that would make sense. I just saw, like, a picture of it, and I was like, there's got to be a video of this somewhere. I'm glad there is. Now, next we have the purchase of LucasArts by Disney, Ugh. which was accompanied by the announcement of Episode Seven being released for Star Wars. I have mixed feelings. If they do the right thing and make Episode Seven one of the stories from the expanded universe that has been played out in novels over the past 20 years, it could be awesome. Disney has a habit of buying things and then letting people who know what they're doing run them. Look at what happened with Marvel. Look at all the awesome Marvel movies you've had since the buyout. Uh, Miramax is owned by Disney. I think you'll find they put out Pulp Fiction. That's a so, sorry. Hmm? That is a fantastic movie. Yeah. I would appraise it even more, however, since we try and keep the show clean, I will leave it at that. <laughs> but there's also the fear that there will be more Jar Jar Binks. So this was then added to by something pretty terrifying. Disney is apparently reportedly looking into buying Hasbro. This fills me with dread because I don't know what Disney's take on magic will be. And although I would love to see a magic movie... If they mess with my game, I will never watch, touch, or buy anything to do with Star Wars again. Even magic? It would take a lot for me to drop magic. Fair enough. But it terrifies me, man. I I honestly have, you know, I, I realize that Disney, back in the Michael Eisner days, there was a lot of bad stuff that's going on. Admittedly, like, it's it's right at the ship, I think. I don't think it would ever, like, honestly, I think the way that Magic is set up currently, uh, you know, I have complete faith in Mark Rosewater. You know, I mean, I've, you know, read his column back in The Duelist, and I think pretty much the way it works is he has an insane amount of power and say when it comes to these things, and I think, I don't think that he'd ever, you know, say, lose the good fight, if you will. Like, he'll keep on winning the good fight, and he'll keep on being the one, well, that wins it. So I'm not worried about, I'm not as worried about magic, right? I think maybe, like, maybe if I was, say, more of a, or actually a professional player, it might, say, slightly raise concerns. But outside of that, I don't think that it would be a huge, it's going to be a huge deal. 
you know, actually, I think the pros would have the least to worry about. Because Pro Tour Disney World? <laughs> yeah, every, every Pro Tour, you get $40,000 and a free trip to Disney, but not Euro Disney, the good Disney. Well, I don't think anybody would complain about that. No, I, well, I mean, unless they were like, we're giving you $20,000 and a free trip to Disney. <laughs> yeah, okay, but you know what I mean. I think, so, I don't know, I'm scared, but I might be scared for no reason. I'm much more scared about Star Wars. And, <laughs> like, here's the thing, right? Admittedly, I was not alive when the first Star Wars came out, but I consider Star Wars to be greater than Star Trek. I'll always be a Star Wars fan geek above Star Trek. The thing is, though, is I have a lot of respect for Star Trek because, like, it doesn't exist within three movies. And right. if you want to add on six, it exists in front of a whole universe. And I realize that Star Wars has animated series. It has comics. It has a whole story Books. behind that. But it, the representation that's given to the general public and the consuming public of Star Trek, I think, is much better presented than Star Wars. And the history of the way it's presented to Star Wars is obviously where you draw the biggest concerns. The other thing is that, you know, wanting to add on, like going to Episode 7, I don't really know where you want to go with that story. Like, I, I for me, Return of the Jedi will always be the last Star Wars movie. Like, it, it'll be... The the end of the line, it'll be that story, right? And I realized the necessary evil in having episode one to six, one to six, actually said, you know, Star Wars is a story of Darth Vader from beginning to end. Obviously, it's awesome because there's lightsabers and there's Jedis and there's a Sith and there's this entire universe that goes with it. But in all, it's the story of Darth Vader and Darth Vader dies in episode six. Sure, but you've got to realize that the majority of the books that were written were written before anybody knew that Star Wars was the story of Darth Vader. Right, because, and, I, and I understand that, but if they were to say, okay, we're going to make, say, episodes negative three, negative two, negative one. Like, okay. the stories of, I mean, I know everyone does, say, origin stories, right? But if you go back to say, this is how, you know, not how the Force was created, because it was always there. But, it's, but how Palpatine became evil, for example. But even go farther than back. Like, I don't know if you ever played on Xbox uh, Knights of the Old Republic. No. Okay. That's a fantastic story. And what it does is it basically, like, you obviously have all the Star Wars, the movies that come uh, after it. But it essentially goes, you know, before that, a whole bunch of years, and it kind of presents a different side to it. Like, we know there's, you know, the light side, and we know there's the dark side. But it's a whole different take on that. So... I guess if they were to say Episode 7 is not a continuation of Episode 6, like it's not the story of the characters afterwards, I'd be much more relieved. I don't know, man. Like, the prequels offended a lot of people because people like me who grew up watching the originals, and there's millions of us, we wanted Luke, we wanted Leia, we wanted Han Solo because that's Star Wars to us. But here's the thing, though. Like, it's not... like They're obviously... You know, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, and Harrison Ford... Well... Okay, Harrison Ford still looks the exact same as he did, like, 80 years ago, so... No, no, dude, no. Carrie Fisher looks more like herself than any of the others, too. <laughs> but, like, I don't think what people understand, and a shout-out to Mark Hamill, because, you know, obviously Luke is one of those, is one of the iconic characters, and, I mean, if you've ever listened to any or heard any of his voice work for the Joker in Batman, it is fantastic. Like, yes. he's the best for 
like the Joker. But time has not been kind to Mark Hamill. No, but the thing is, you're setting these movies... Like, if they do the Thrawn trilogy, the the uh, Heir to the Empire, they're set, I believe, five years after Return of the Jedi. So you can recast all of those parts. We know that. It's not going to be the same. But people want to see how that story ends. A lot of people have read those books, and there's a tremendous amount of buzz around Grand Admiral Thrawn and, and the character that he presents, which is incredible, by the way. I, I, I completely understand that, and like I get that, but if you're going to tell me that Luke Skywalker is not played by Mark Hamill, if you're going to tell me that Han Solo is not played by Harrison Ford, like... I mean, no, but you got to be realistic, though. No, man. I understand that, but it's just like it's not those people. It's kind of like you know Andrew Garfield as uh, Spider-Man. Like that's fine, but Spider-Man to me is Tobey Maguire. <laughs> but you can go even further back than that and have him voiced by someone in a cartoon. Oh. The thing is, like, if you ask people which would you rather, Star Wars without Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, or Star Wars without Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill, I don't know which would get more answers. I I think it'd be pretty split. I, I agree. I mean, admittedly, I'd be in option C of no Star Wars, right? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> the one, there will be at least, there, if they were to do it that way and recast, there would at least be one character who would still be in, well, actually, I think you probably have two characters that well, wouldn't have to be recast. Chewie wouldn't have to no, be. No, Peter Mayhew would still be Chewbacca, and I'm pretty sure you could still have Billy D. Williams be Lando Calrissian. You could also have Anthony Davis as uh, C-3PO. Right. That's true. So, so, so in, that, in terms of Wookiee, Troids, and Lando Calrissian were good. And I mean, let's face it, even if it wasn't Peter Mayhew, who would ever know? Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did you just really say that anyone could play Chewbacca that's not called Peter Mayhew? I said that we'd never know. Oh, I would know. Trust <laughs> And I think if they do announce, yes, we're doing the Thrawn trilogy, there will be endless months of speculation as to who will be cast in what part until we actually find out. And that is going to be fun on its own. Spoiler alert, Chris Lansdell will not be cast as Luke Skywalker. No, and Jabba the Hutt died, so I have no idea who I'm going to be. <laughs> Let's move on to some shout-outs before we lose a whole ton of listeners. All right. <laughs> Hit me with some shout-outs, sir. All right. Uh, a shout-out to Face uh, Face Games, first, our sponsor, as well as host of the PTQ GPT, and Kyle Rick was essentially the, uh, slash CMT was essentially the host of the CMT Team Trios, but Face Face was there to lend a hand, as well as at the PTQ, we had Alex Hain gunslinging. So they, like, not only do they throw a great tournament, but they make sure that, you know, people get the best bang out of their buck, and there's always something there. So a shout-out to them. A shout-out to... Oh, my God, I can't believe this. There was there was one person that I was like, I'm going to give this person a shout-out, like, 100%, and I can't remember who it is. Uh-oh. That is not good. See, I, I really need to start writing these down. Like, from now on, I'm just going to, like, start writing down shout-outs. I'm gonna... I put them on the notepad on my phone. <laughs> really? Like, now you talk... <sighs> Couldn't you put me that back when I joined the cast? Yes, I could have. <laughs> but it wouldn't have been as fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so while you're trying to think of who that is, do you have any more, or should I go ahead? No, I don't think I have any more. I don't think there's anyone that you know. Okay. Let me. Yeah, go on. You try and come up with who it is. So I want to give a shout-out to Mike Flores, who had an amazing amount of positive feedback to give me this week. 
and basically put me on cloud 109, telling me that my article was really good and that I've improved as a writer, and then telling me that he includes Gilded Lotus in his decks because of a conversation he had with us on Horde of Notions. Basically just made my month. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Joey Pasco, who wrote a really good blog entry today about a deck he's building. Uh, I didn't know Joey Pasco could write as well. It is not fair for one person to have all of that talent. Please share. A shout-out to all of our listeners, old and new, all of my Twitter followers, old and new. Uh, Robert Martin for having me on Men of Magic recently. Finally. Couldn't believe it. Really happy. And uh, all the podcasters who've invited me on their show, which still happens. And I'm really happy about this. Happens for now. What's that? I said happens for now. Yeah, well. We told you. Less podcasts, I'll, you know? I'll run out of it. You're already on like 17 podcasts on a weekly basis. Uh, not quite, but almost. Uh, did you figure out who it was that you were going to shout out? Uh, for the life of me, no. Although I do want to, uh, following in, say, the footsteps of Chris. I mean, not really. It's been something I want to do for a while. Actually, a shout out to uh, Michael McClement, who is helping me to get my level one uh, judge certification. So that's, that's actually, since I've been playing Magic, I've actually wanted to be a judge, and I don't know, becoming a judge in Montreal is, uh, like, there's obviously there's a whole lot of judges that are around, but, say, kind of coordinating slash helpfulness is not essentially a strong suit in some cases. So uh, a shout out, real big shout out to him, who's you know actively uh, helping me with that, and like for the team trios, uh, I wasn't supposed to judge. I I had showed up to lend some people some decks, and then I was gonna go to some other stuff. But he's like, look, I know you want to get your judge certification. We can put you on staff as a judge. Obviously, like if someone calls over a judge, you can shadow me. You can't make uh you know you can't make, say make decisions. But he essentially showed me say the behind the scenes work for. You know, obviously, you know, counting deck lists, checking deck lists, uh, for deck checks between rounds, uh, much more into how uh, the DCI reporter works as well. So a huge uh, shout out to him. Excellent. Okay. So on that note, let's wrap this baby up. For the absent Adina and Travis and for Will, this is Chris saying join us again next time for another exciting episode of Horde of Notion. Roll Tide Roll. Hell right.